For millennia, people from different countries, cultures, and backgrounds have found direction and encouragement in the inspired pages of the Bible. In his day, Jesus directed listeners to search the prophecies of Scripture to find Him the only way of salvation. 2,000 years later, as we stand on the brink of eternity, we no less need the purpose and hope God's Word provides. Sacramento Central Church brings you Receiving the Word, timely Bible messages presented by Pastors Chris Buttery and Mike Thompson. Amazing revelations await you in God's Holy Word, the Bible. You know, it's never easy facing difficulties and challenges, let alone bravely or courageously. Yet the Bible reveals that in the last days of earth's history, there'll be those living here in the end of time who'll be facing adversity. And the Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse 13 that some of these folk are going to endure till the end. We'll put that on the screen. Verse 14, they're going to be witnesses of the power of the everlasting gospel in their lives, and they will be faithful and wise servants who know how to give bread in due season. They're not thinking merely of themselves, but they're thinking of the benefit of others. And they realize, like we've been studying the last couple of weeks, that there's going to be no more favorable time than the present to win people to Jesus' side. They sympathized with Jesus when he told his disciples long ago that the, that, the, that the harvest was already, the fields were already white for harvest. And there in, in uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, he said that the harvest is, do you remember? The harvest is great. The harvest is great. And what did he mean? What did he mean when he said the harvest is great? What was his point? What was he, what was he driving at? It, ultimately, Jesus was trying to help us uh, see the world through new lens, through new eyes, to see the world with, through, uh, with a new perspective, that there are many men and women, boys and girls, waiting to be gathered in, to accept Christ and His saving grace, to be ready and prepared for the momentous events that are about to take place on planet Earth prior to the return of Jesus. They sympathize these people with Jesus when he said the harvest is truly great. But you remember when we studied here in Luke chapter 10, there was also a problem. Do you remember what that problem was? There, there are a few laborers. That's right. Luke chapter 10 reminds us that there are a few laborers. Now, when we, when we are called and when we give our lives to Jesus, we're all called to service. We're all called to, to be missionaries. Someone said that uh, uh, if you're not a missionary, you're a mission field. We're all called to be missionaries, to share the love and grace of God with others. But there's a problem because there are a few that are, that are involved in the harvest. And we found out that some were distracted, some are perhaps discouraged, some are indifferent to the plight and the challenge. So what did Jesus encourage us to do? Jesus encouraged us to do there in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, He says to pray the Lord of the harvest to send out what? laborers into his harvest. And we discovered last week that these words are uh, dynamic words. Jesus is asking us to plead with the Lord of harvest, to beg the Lord of harvest. But although there is great satisfaction in working for Jesus, and we talked about Christ's method of ministry, didn't we, last week? In Ministry of Healing, page 143, Christ's method alone will give us true success in reaching the people. Uh, he, Jesus mingled with men as one who desired their good, sympathized with them. He ministered to their needs, and then He bade them, won their confidence, and then He bade them do what? Follow me. One-on-one -on -one labor. Each one reaching one. 
And even though there is great satisfaction when we, uh, when we allow the Lord of the harvest to use us in His mission field, in His harvest, it also comes with true challenges, with some real honest challenges, and it encourages us to exhibit an unusual dependence upon the Lord of the harvest. And my friends, this in turn tends to be our hardest lesson, the hardest lesson for us to learn, the title of our message, the message here this morning, to express unusual dependence upon the Lord, a dependence perhaps that we have not yet realized. Look with me in Luke chapter 10, and we'll look at verse 3. Notice what it says there. Jesus says, go your way, behold, I send you as lambs among what? Wolves. Okay. Lambs among wolves. Now, this certainly sounds dangerous. Uh, And Jesus is being just painfully honest with us. When you cry out to the Lord of the harvest, what Jesus is saying is you need to be prepared to face just about anything. And those major challenges that come to us will come to us personally, uh, internally, and they'll also come to us externally as well. When we talk about internally, when we ask the Lord, give Him permission to use us in His harvest, Phil, one of the immediate internal, internal challenges many of us confront is perhaps our lack of maturity and experience in God's work. After all, we are just, what does He say? I send you out as lambs. Lambs aren't experienced. Now, when we think of sheep, sheep aren't known to be the most intelligent creatures in the world, but we, he, he, he casts us out as what? Sheep, immature uh, sheep, you see, lambs. He casts us out as lambs. We're just weak, immature lambs. We've heard the promise of Jesus when He said in John 14, verse 12, greater works than these He will do because I go to my Father. That's a powerful promise that God has given to us, His children. Greater works will we do than Jesus because He goes to the Father. We believe the promise and perhaps we just simply believe it in theory. Not many of us have really tested it, in real life. Truly, Lord, greater works will we do than Jesus did? Are you sure? When you give the Lord of the harvest permission to throw you out into His harvest, you come to the painful realization that you're a lamb. Internal challenges, our sense of inadequacy, our immaturity. But there's also going to be external challenges, Uh, perhaps more frightening than the internal challenges. Jesus said, I send you as lambs among what? Wolves. That's right. Not only does God send us out as a lamb, but He sends us out among the wolves. Uh, you will face adversaries when the Lord of the harvest throws you out into His harvest, and many will be predators. Such adversaries are not mild-mannered or timid. They are wolves. Jesus described them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 as ravenous wolves. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 called them savage. And notice that there is not just one wolf, Wolves hunt in packs, and so there are many of them. They look for vulnerable targets, and they seek to eat them, to devour them, you see. The challenge is even more drastic because of the fact that we go out among these ravenous, savage wolves as lambs. Lambs don't typically go wolf spotting or wolf hunting. The wolves come looking for them, you see, and when you throw yourself out, give the Lord permission to send you out into His harvest, there'll be times when you find yourself surrounded by these snarling, ravenous wolves. They'll be outside seeking to undermine your influence, hinder your progress, and because they can't, can't counter what you believe and what you testify, they'll start attacking you personally, calling you names, perhaps legalist or rigid or strict or narrow or bigoted, just the way the devil likes it, name-calling to marginalize. It's his strategy. 
It's his tactic. And I might add that they are not just wolves on the outside of the flock, but they can also be wolves on the inside also. When Jesus warned about ravenous wolves in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, he said that they would come in what type of clothing? Do you remember? Sheep's clothing, pretending to be among God's people. And when Paul mentioned the savage wolves there in Acts chapter 20, he said that they will come in among you. So there are far, there's far more to fear from within than there is to fear from without. Yes, unfortunately, we'll get a taste of wolves inside who will talk doubt, who will seek to discourage any advance of the gospel, counter your hard work, perhaps by their contradictory lifestyle. How many new converts have been dismayed, not only with the laxness of the church, but also its worldliness? How many have hoped to flee the world into the arms of a safe, caring church to find that the world has come inside the church? Jesus didn't stop there with these challenges. Notice with me in Matthew chapter 10, and you're wondering, Pastor Chris, are you going to get encouraging here? Are you going to get a little hopeful here? Just hold on. This is Jesus speaking to us. I send you out as lambs among wolves. Matthew chapter 10, turn there with me if you would. Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples. He's sending out the 12, and he tells them the same thing. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. I want you to notice here in verse 14, Jesus mentions that there will be some when he sends out, he sends out his laborers into the harvest, those who give, them, give God permission to send them out. It says there in verse, in verse 14 that some will not hear your words. Some aren't going to receive you. Verse 17, he sadly portrays at the hand, he sadly portrays betrayal at the hands of church friends. In verse 21, he even presents betrayal at the hand of family members. And then verse 23, he talks about persecution and displacement. And then last of all, in verse 28, even potential death. Now, how did all this trouble come around? Notice verse 34 and 35 of Matthew chapter 10. Notice Jesus said, Do not think that I am come, I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, Jesus did not mean by these words that this creating of strife would be the effect of the gospel. No, that's not what he was saying. But rather the result of opposition to the preaching and the sharing of the gospel, you see. That's where these troubles come. It doesn't come from just, it's not the effects of the preaching of the gospel, it's people's response to the preaching of the gospel. The, the gospel brings peace to those who accept it. And when it is proclaimed and when it is presented and then resisted by an individual, an internal struggle ensues creating frustration, jealousy, suspicion, and hate due to a convicted conscience that will not surrender to Jesus Christ's claims on the life. That's where the trouble comes from, from a person who is not willing to surrender to their pleading conscience to the will of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I came not to send peace but a sword. It's not the effects of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, it is the result of those who oppose the gospel. Jesus said, I send you out as lambs among the wolves. But in all of this, Jesus reminds us that the Father pays very close attention to us. In verses 29 to 31 of Matthew chapter 10, he talks about the fact that God even notices when a bird falls from its nest 
onto the ground. He's well aware when problems come our way and He cares for each one of you as if you were the only one to ever be cared for here on planet Earth. In that monumental work on the life of Christ, The Desire of Ages, the author says, not a sigh is breathed, not a pain is felt, not a grief pierces the soul, but the throb vibrates to the Father's heart. God is bending from His throne to hear the cry of the oppressed. To every sincere prayer, He answers, here am I. In all our afflictions, He is afflicted. In every temptation, she says, in every trial, the angel of His presence is near to deliver. What a powerful promise. You may have hardships, you may have difficulty as you go out and you share your faith. It may even come from, from your home. But Jesus said, I'm with you. I hear the pain. The throb vibrates in all your afflictions. I'm afflicted. I feel your pain. I know your hurt. It comes to me first before it affects you. Jesus said, you'll go out as lamb, lambs among wolves. So how did Jesus say that we ought to handle this issue? Notice with me, verse 16. We're in Matthew chapter 10 still. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be what? Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. All right. So Jesus says you've got to be wise. It's a good thing we've been studying the book of Proverbs. We're getting good practice, aren't we? Uh, we've got to be wise, practical wisdom, discernment, and prudence. It's the same wisdom that Jesus calls for at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where He talks about the wise and the foolish, the man who built his house upon the, the rock, is the one who listens and applies the words of Jesus. The same Greek word appears in the Greek translation of the book of Proverbs. This practical wisdom helps us know when to be silent. Some of us could learn how to be silent from time to time. This practical wisdom also teaches us how to withdraw when, we, when it's time to withdraw. It also teaches us how to diffuse, uh, diffuse angry words. That's the wisdom that we need. We need practical wisdom when God sends us out as lambs among wolves. But what does Jesus mean when He says, be wise as a serpent? <laughs> wise as a serpent. The ancient Near East considered the serpent as a symbol of wisdom and cunning. Serpents are alert and serpents are cautious. They don't unnecessarily have contact or conflict with predators. They don't provoke attacks. We're called to be wise as serpents. But remember that those insights, any insights and any understandings in our, in our coming and going in the harvest, we need to remember that this wisdom comes from above. James 1, 5 reminds us, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and does not withhold, does not hold back. What a wonderful promise. You can claim that promise in a moment when you need wisdom from above and God will give you words, He'll give you understanding. You've had it happen to you before, I don't need to tell you that, but it's a good reminder to call upon Him who has wisdom. So we're called to be wise as serpents, but we're also told to be harmless as what? Harmless as doves. The Greek word translated harmless just simply means or literally means unmixed. Uh, the same word is described to, with regard to pure gold. Uh, laborers in the Lord's harvest are to demonstrate, in other words, moral purity and integrity. Uh, the ancient Near East regarded the dove also as a symbol of purity and faithfulness. So what God is summoning us to and encouraging us here in our interaction with others, including savage and ravenous wolves, 
to be above reproach in speech and in conduct. We should never adopt uh, the ethics or mimic the behavior of our adversaries, never. We are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, when we're confronted with wolves, resting in God's love, the Spirit will be calm even under personal abuse. And the Spirit that's kept gentle under irritation will speak far more effectively in favor of truth than any argument, however clever and however effective. May God help us to keep control of our tempers. The Lord of the harvest does not rebuke lambs for being immature or having lack of experience. Rather, He encourages you and I to adopt practical wisdom and Christian grace that will meet, uh, provide all of our needs that we need, all the things that we need when we encounter these challenges and these difficulties that come our way. Friends, this is learning to labor in total dependence upon God. That's what God wants us to do, to learn to totally depend upon Him. As a matter of fact, let's continue the idea of dependence upon Him. This is our hardest lesson. This is a tough one for us to learn. Let's go back to Luke chapter, chapter 10, and we're looking there in verse 4. Luke chapter 10 and verse 4. Jesus said, I send you out as lambs among wolves. But notice, we come to our, our uh, scripture reading here, verse 4. Jesus says, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. Carry nothing. Totally depend on me. Now, from a human standpoint, these instructions probably don't make a lot of sense. When you travel somewhere, it's normal to take some stuff along with you, right? You're going to be traveling uh, maybe on a business trip. You're going to be gone a couple of nights. You take a rolling suitcase. You've got your clothes in there. You've got your toiletries, your pajamas. You take some stuff with you. So what is Jesus talking about here? Jesus says, carry no money bag. What is he, what is he saying? Is he telling his followers not to carry their purses or their wallets? Doesn't such an approaching border on irresponsibility? What is, what is Jesus talking about here? Apparently, the Lord of the harvest is not wanting us to depend upon our own ability. Rather, he asks us to labor in complete dependence upon him. You know, we serve the God, and I tell folk this often, we serve the God of the last minute. He's a God of the last minute. It's not because He's slumbering. It's not because He's sleeping. It's not because He's indifferent or doesn't care. It's because He wants you to totally depend upon Him. And sometimes He's got to stretch us just a little bit, test that faith just a little bit, but He always comes through for you. I, don't, I can't tell you exactly when. I can't tell you how, but I can tell you that He will because He's done it for me and I know He's done it for you and He'll keep on doing that for us. The Lord of the harvest is inviting us to be totally, unreservedly dependent upon Him. If we're trusting in our own resources, then we might not even give God permission to involve us at all. You might say to yourself, well, as soon as I have what I need for the task, then Lord, I'll give you permission to use me. Or you might allow the Lord of the harvest to include you, but then you look for some small task to do that is manageable and equates your, what you consider to be your meager abilities. In order to emphasize the need for this new type of dependence upon God, Jesus instructs us to leave our money bag behind. In addition to abandoning that money bag, Jesus also says in verse 4, carry no knapsack. What's a knapsack? 
Is the knapsack equivalent of a 21st century rolling suitcase? Jesus, is Jesus saying, don't take any money on your trip? Don't take any suitcase when you labor for me? What's he saying? No, he's not saying that. The Greek noun has a more specialized meaning, and it simply means a beggar's bag. That's what that knapsack means, a beggar's bag. In other words, he is saying, do not beg from others. Do not beg from others. Total dependence upon the Lord of the harvest means first, that we don't trust in our own resources, and second, that we don't impose on those around us to supply our needs. Were the disciples cared for when they went out there in Matthew chapter 10? Were they provided? Did they lack anything? As a matter of fact, that was a question that Jesus asked his disciples in Luke chapter 22, verse 35. We're going to put that on the screen. When I sent you out without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And what did they say? Nothing. Everything, Lord, that we needed, you provided for. The disciples did not rely on their own resources, neither did they impose on those around them. Rather, they demonstrated total dependence upon the Lord of the harvest. And according to their response, they were well taken care of. How then will God meet your needs? Well, I know that He has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. And in that same book, Ministry of Healing, we encourage those who who make the service of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path set before their feet. If you put God, God first, His service first, and your service includes your family, your service definitely includes your family, but when you put God's service first, a plain path is going to be carved out for you. God's going to show you just what to do and how to do it, and He's going to provide for your needs. One way, however is that He will provide through the generosity of those around you and whose hearts are willing. If someone offers resources, if they offer their hospitality, if they offer their abilities, not because you begged, but because the Lord of the harvest touched their hearts, Jesus says, Jesus says receive it happily. Look at verse 7. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. And then he says, do not go from house to house. In other words, accept what the Lord provides for you. Don't go from house to house looking for a better offer. Be content with how God and what God is providing for you. It's said of Abraham, uh, the, the father of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, that he went out not knowing where he went. And Abraham came to know the Lord as Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And this can be our experience as well as we labor in total dependence upon Him. He provides Jesus, God provides salvation through Jesus and power and guidance through the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord will supply, and I love this promise in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, claim it and claim it often, He will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You just need to know that God is more willing to help you and provide for you than you, you recognize it yourself. And if you just spend a moment looking at Calvary and at the cross, you would recognize His deep and undying love for you. If He died for you, He'll care for you. He'll provide for you. He will take and supply all our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And as we labor in total dependence, we'll discover personally that He will sustain us every way possible. We just need to say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, send out laborers into your harvest because the laborers are few. And Lord, I give you permission to send me. 
And in sending us, we can know that He'll provide for us. He'll provide for us intellectually. He'll provide tact and skill and wisdom. He'll provide for uh, the needs. Sometimes the work, uh, we don't have the resources that are needed for the work that lays before us. But God always provides. Are we learning to be completely and utterly dependent upon Him? Do we completely trust Him? I wonder whether we trust Him enough to be even used of Him. Now, the story doesn't end. We're going to wrap up with these last few verses. Notice Jesus in Luke chapter 10 and verse 4, Jesus also reminds the laborers not to get bogged down with excess baggage. Don't get bogged down with excess excess baggage. The instruction in verse 4 is to not carry sandals. Does that mean you should go walking around bare feet with bare feet? No, it doesn't say don't wear sandals. It says don't carry sandals. In other words, don't be burdened down with excess baggage. The word translated carry literally means to bear a burden. Jesus doesn't want us to bear a burden. It's the same verb the Scripture uses for carrying a cross. Carrying an extra pair of shoes may not sound like extra work. However, in addition to an extra pair of shoes, one might be inclined to bring an extra pair of slacks or extra shirt, a little extra of this and an extra of that, the sleeping bag, the pillow, even the kitchen sink, you understand. Carry no extra sandals, travel light, don't be bogged down with excess baggage. What then is our mission as laborers in the harvest? Notice verse 9 as we close. Verse 9, Jesus told his disciples and the 70, go out and do what? Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Do you notice it's the same instruction that he gives to those involved in the Lord's harvest is also a description of God, of Christ's own ministry while here on earth? In the report sent to John the Baptist, Jesus said, Go tell John the things which you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Such ministry was only possible for Jesus as he testified, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he calls you and I as laborers together in the harvest to demonstrate a new dependence as we reproduce the ministry of Jesus Christ, as we walk in his footsteps and serve in his name, not in our own strength, not in our strength, my strength, but in the strength of the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have freely received. Now it's time to freely give. We give to others in constant awareness of our total dependence upon the Lord of the harvest. Each one reaching one. That's our theme for this year. Each one reaching one for Jesus. We have our mandate. We have our commission. I won't be preaching about this every week. We have just two more sermons in this series and then that's it. And we'll go on to other, other things, other important things. But let's start the year right and let's remember that God has called us to be laborers together with him in his harvest. And let's be praying, Lord, I give you permission to send me. I want to close with that little, little saying that we've been looking at each week just to keep things in proper perspective. Remember, it says, I cannot work my soul to save, for that the Lord has done. 
but I will work like any slave for the love of God's dear son. We're so glad you decided to tune in to today's Receiving the Word program. To discover more about the Bible, we'd like to invite you to enroll in our free online Bible studies by visiting saccentral.org and click on the Media Resources tab. To listen to other life-changing Bible messages from Sacramento Central Church, go to youtube.com forward slash The Central Connection or visit us Saturday mornings at 1050 a.m. for a live worship experience at 6045 Camellia Avenue across the street from Sacramento State University. We look forward to seeing you there.